0: This is so so great. great. My My finger is buzzing right now. (laughs) Just my my finger. finger. (laughs) Hey everybody, welcome to the House of Bliss podcast, your favorite show you've never heard of and the internet's best kept secret. So in today's episode, I'm going to share with you the audio of a virtual Bible study that I got to lead recently on the book of Ephesians. It was so much fun um, seeing everybody's smiling faces on Zoom. I'm not really sure theologically or spatially, spiritually, how this works. All I know is that through the screen, just being able to fellowship everyone, there was such an anointing rolling off of everybody, such a thick, weighty, tangible glory, just celebrating the gospel with each other. Um, It almost felt like there was some kind of like thick, cloudy smoke just diffusing from my computer screen into the room. It was so thick and juicy. So, of course, I had to share that with you guys here on my show as well. But before I get into that, I just wanted to share some stuff that's going on that I'm really excited about. Number one is both Katie and I are going to be in Tampa, Florida with Matt and Katie Spinks and a whole bunch of other Holy Ghost crazy people. Um, I don't even fully know what the game plan is. All I know is we're going to show up. We're going to just absolutely feast on the love of Jesus. And we are going to uh, hit the streets. I think the beach, I guess. We're going to be going out and blessing people, praying for people, praying for miracles, passing out signs, just seeing what Jesus wants to do with no real agenda other than just enjoying him and loving on people. Um, it's sort of, hey, you could call it a mission trip, or you could call it a vacation. You could call it what you want. We're vacationaries. Because I have noticed that um, when I try the hardest is when I'm leaving the least amount of room for Jesus. <laughs> but when I'm actually just relaxed and I'm I'm ready, but I'm just relaxed and kind of like taking things as they come and enjoying the presence of the Lord, stuff always happens. Stuff Always breaks out. Miracles always flow. You know, this is just what happens when you get together with other believers who just want to revel in the goodness of God together. And so that is uh, the weekend of March 26th. It's coming right up, but it's not too late. Um, As far as I know, the plan is there's just going to be an Airbnb available. Um, you can contact Matt or, uh, jump on the Facebook, which I will, uh, put a link in the description by the way, but you can hop on the event page and either get yourself an Airbnb or talk to Matt about staying, but whatever you do, we're going to be having nightly glory parties, um, as well as, you know, trips to the beach and whatever else. So it's going to be a whole lot of fun. I hope you can join us and, uh, you know, with uh, having two really small kids, it's not all that often that Katie gets to come with me, so I'm really, really pumped for that. Okay. Now, second, um, one of the reasons why I haven't been making as many episodes of this show lately is because I am deep in the throes of creating the next uh, Glowing Moses album. For those of you that listen you may not know, I have a, a rock kind of psychedelic, rock-heavy, blues-space electronic rock band called Glowing Moses. It is uh, it is not what you would call worship music, but it is sort of my worship music. It comes from my place of prayer and adoration to God, and it spills out into these heavy riffs. So um, we're actually creating a new album right now, and we've been working on it for over a year at three different studios, just as we've been able to. But it is finally, we are like beginning to put the finishing touches on it, and it's It's going to cost a lot of money to give it the uh, professional treatment that it needs. We don't have a plan uh, fully nailed down just yet, but we will be releasing some sort of a crowdfunding thing like Kickstarter or um, GoFundMe or something of that nature in the coming days. And we will be releasing a full-fledged, finished single Uh, For anybody who happens to give towards that. So if you're interested in helping us fund this project, please contact me. You can email me at houseofblisspodcast at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram at houseofblisspod or, of course, on Facebook. I will put links everywhere. Um, For now, I just need to know who's interested so I can forward it along to the right people when it's time to launch. So I know that was a whole mouthful of information, but I am really, really, really excited for this to come out. that we got those commercials out of the way, I do want to plug just one more thing before we get started here is um, this Bible study that you're going to hear audio from. It happens every Sunday for free at 2 p.m. on Zoom. I don't know about you guys, but right now at this moment in time, it is a bit harder than usual to come across amazing quality Christian fellowship. And so if you've just been craving that I would encourage you, find Matt Spink's page. Once again, I'll put all the links in the description. You know how to find those. But uh, I'm going to put a link to it, and it's free to do. All you need is the Zoom link. And uh, you can join in. It was so fun to actually just get to interact with a whole bunch of different people around a specific topic, around a specific scripture. But people were praying for each other. Um, there was a lot of like good, fruitful discussion happening. And so if you've been craving something like that, it is just awesome what Matt and Katie have been doing with their online ministry. So definitely check that out. And I do believe they post the recordings as well so you can uh, listen to you know some of the stuff they've already done, but really, it's that interaction that makes it so special and wonderful and worthwhile. So now that I'm done talking about all that stuff, I'm gonna jump out of the way. Here's the audio from that virtual Zoom Bible study. All right, Cole. floor yours, my brother. welcome. Thank you for being here, man. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. So, whoo! Holy Spirit, just show us Jesus all over again. We invite your presence to be with us in a fresh way. Help it awaken us. Help us see Jesus in a whole new angle. Thank you. There's literally endless billions of sides of your face that we have yet to explore, <laughs> and every single one of us, every single one of them is just as beautiful and captivating as the last. We want to We want to know you. We want to see you. Give us the power, like it says in scripture, the power to even try to comprehend who you are, how big you are, how good you are. If you just put your hand on your chest, I just want to pray for just a fresh wave of the glory to wash over you. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence. Thank you. Lord, right now in every room and every little square on the screen, I pray for a, just a fresh experience of your presence. The word, You know, the word baptized is the same word as dunked, you know, and you can get baptized a hundred million times. It's just getting dunked in the ocean. So thank you, Lord. Just dunk us all over again. <laughs> Woo, thank you, Lord. Mm. Or just take a moment. Just let him Dunk us all over again. Hmm. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> there is <Oof>. ha. <laughs> but anyway, I wanted to talk um just on Ephesians, like, when, when it comes to Bible study, um, in your notes, I put a picture of an iceberg because I've just noticed with the Bible, like, whenever you think you understand something, when you ask the Lord to show you more, there's always a deeper iceberg. There's always more to understand. And so much of what's being talked about in Scripture is just, like, layer upon layer upon layer. And it just—there's no end to it. Like, it it never— I've been seriously studying the Bible for probably 10 years and I never get to the end of like incredible life-changing stuff. And you know what? Like to me, there's no difference between like head knowledge and heart knowledge. Like they're both part of the same whole. Like God wants, you know, Jesus said eternal life is to know the father. And that just means any possible capacity and way in which you could know a thing. So it includes like tangible hands-on like experiences with the father's heart, but it also includes like learning stuff about him. You know, it's just, I want the whole feast. I don't, I don't want to bother with like, Oh, that's too academic or, Oh, that's too weird and Holy spirit. I don't care. I just want all the Jesus feast, you know, I just can't stop. And so, um, you know, hopefully I don't lose you on some of this, uh, but I, I know you guys love the word, too, just as much as I do. So I know that this we can have a lot of fun with this. But I also threw in a little picture of a sweater because I, I've just noticed over the years that um, every verse is like a thread that's connected to all these other different threads. And there's concepts that, like, unfold over the course of Scripture, and they're all interconnected. And it's like when you tug on one, you realize like, oh, there's no one part of the Bible that's disconnected. So we're, we're going to talk about some Old Testament stuff today because it's, you know, the Old Testament is like what set up everything that's happening in the New Testament. And anytime you pull on a thread in the New Testament, you'll find it going all the way back. And it's just so exciting because when you dive into that stuff, you find that... It's, it's not just understanding it better. For me, it gives me such a great appreciation for what Jesus has actually done for us. Like The rabbit hole goes so deep, and it's just like I'm fascinated by it. And so what I wanted to do was kind of demonstrate that by taking one of my favorite passages in Ephesians and just um, verse by verse, let's just go through and let's just see like what it— means in the context of the rest of the Bible, but also in history and just whatever else we can find. And it's for me, like when I started to learn some of this stuff, I never saw it the same way again. Um, But this is just one example, especially with Ephesians. I feel like you can just kind of pick any old verse and just get your mind blown, you know. But this is uh, Ephesians (laughs) uh, chapter 3 verses 8 to 12. And uh, I'll just read it to you guys. It says, and I'm reading in the NASB. I love like the mirror and all kinds of stuff. I just kind of, when I'm doing study, I kind of just try to gravitate towards something like this, but feel free to follow along whatever translation you want. But it says, um, to me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery, which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things, so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. Jeez, what a dense, like... <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. It's intense, man. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's so much there that you just there's no way to get it all in one sitting. So we're just gonna go like verse by verse here and just start to unravel this iceberg sweater. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so verse 8. Um it's it uses this phrase unfathomable riches. And that's kind of an old timey term, but it's it's really cool when you see what he's talking about. But basically back in the day and, and actually still now, a fathom is actually like a like a sailing thing. It's a it's a unit of measurement around six feet. And basically I included a picture there you can see, but they would do this um thing where they would tie a lead weight to and a rope to this like spool, and if they ever wanted to know how close they were to shore, they would drop it down and they would measure When it hits the bottom they go okay this is how deep we are out at sea so so what we've been given in christ is literally it's immeasurable like you could never find the end of it you can never find your way out of it there is no shore. um like i wrote down it says we are lost in a sea of blessing like the magnitude of what's been delivered to you the riches the endless riches are literally immeasurable, incomprehensible. You will never, ever, ever unpack all that there is to unpack in the gospel by your union with Jesus. Um, But what's kind of like, what's really fun to dive into is what exactly does Paul mean by riches? Because if you ask different people, you're going to get different answers. What do you think the riches of Christ are? I've heard all kinds of stuff, but honestly, all you need to do really to figure out what Paul is saying is just look at some of his other letters and look at how he uses this terminology of riches. But um, what I would say is like kind of the chief helper in understanding the context is the book of Colossians, because they're both so close together in their themes um, that to me, they almost represent like two twin halves of the same revelation, um, and together they give you this, they they both point to this idea that the ultimate treasure, the ultimate point, like the thing behind the thing, the most important thing in this gospel is our union with God, and anyway, oh sorry, I lost you guys, I want to see your happy faces in the squares here, um, and so Ephesians largely deals with this reality of being in Christ, right? And so one of the centerpiece verses of Ephesians says, God raised us up in Christ and seated us in him, in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus. Now that's Ephesians. That's in Christ. It's this dimension of like, you are literally, you're here on earth, but somehow mystically experientially you are seated inside the person of christ and god's own love for christ is directed full blast like you're you're just you're a sitting duck in a sea of glory but colossians reveals this other reality that christ all of that somehow all of that deity all of that immeasurable goodness is somehow now inside of you And so you have these twin halves of this same revelation. So the way I always like summarize it is we are in heaven in him and he is on earth in us. There's this fusion of persons happening here. So, um, but about that verse I read, God, uh, so that it says in the coming ages, he would show the incomparable riches of his grace. You know, people always say in Christendom, like our purpose in life is to worship. And I I would take some disagreement with that. I think it's incomplete because according to this, our purpose, the reason why God saved us and went through this whole thing or even created us is so that he can show off his kindness. Like Come literally on. God is this eternal boundless being of pure love. And he's, and he's saying, I want to create something that I can show all of this to, that I can just overwhelm time and time again. And literally, it says in the ages, in the coming ages, like it kind of carries this sense of like, over the course of many hundreds of billions of years, he's just going to keep unfolding and unfolding this revelation. Like I get the idea of like a little tugboat or a dinghy who's just lost in the middle of the ocean, just getting overwhelmed by like wave after wave of the tsunami of God's blessing and kindness. So that is your purpose and worship is the, like, it's not even a question. It's like, of course you're going to worship. Like his whole goal is just to obliterate your senses with ecstasy. And of course you're going to worship him. So whatever people are like, Oh, our purpose is to worship. It's like, they're trying to summon something. I'm like, dude, just look at Jesus, man. Look at what he's done for you and worship will come spilling out of you. Um, yeah. Uh, but I also, you know, this is where this whole idea that Matt talks a lot about with this idea of vicariousness with God, like when, by placing you in Christ, I mean, it's hard, it's hard to explain this and wrap your head around it, but The father and the son, they live in this beautiful communion and like everything the father has, he showers on the son. And so that dynamic is something you've been placed inside of. And so everything that it means to be the son, to be Jesus, to be God, you get like this inside experience of. The only way I can describe it is um, like if you've ever been to a water park, and you're in the splash zone of the water slide or something, it's like everything just gets splashed onto you because you're in Christ. Everything that he deserves, you deserve. Everything that he receives, you receive because you're in him. So, um, yeah, so both of these books, both of these passages, Colossians, Ephesians, are talking about union with God, but they're also using this word riches. Um, and in the Bible... Riches are obviously not limited to material things like it's you know it's it's not just like here's a gold bar (laughs) but the riches of Christ it's things like righteousness it's things like the fruit of the spirit unlimited peace unlimited joy unlimited unlimited kindness you know Peter uses the phrase unspeakable joy. Or there's ideas that you unpack of like ecstasis, ecstasy, visions, encounters, the favor of God. You know, that's a treasure. Um, everlasting life, like you're never going to die. That's a treasure. Okay, so it is spiritual. Um, you know, it says every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. It's ours in Christ, right? So all of the things that God experiences, That that's how I would define it. Is everything that God Himself experiences, we experience because we're in Jesus. And if you everything look, has, and has so the yeah, full exactly. All this is yours, the Father says, all that I have. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, dude. Another way I like to think about it is I included this graphic of a baby just floating in the womb, and uh, I mean, the connection between a mother and a baby in the womb is so, it's so raw and so special. It's like there aren't even words for it. It goes beyond words. Like, everything that the mother hears, the baby can hear in the womb. Everything that the mother eats goes, you know, into the baby. Like, that's why a diet is so important. Because if the mother's just eating Pop-Tarts, then all the babies. You know what I mean? So, like, everything that God is experiencing and receiving, we are vicariously, simultaneously experiencing when we just stop and and tune into that. I just feel glory on that. So before I even move on, just take a moment and just stop and let it go beyond the theology, the words, even the ability to communicate and just feel the raw feeling of God right now. Oh, Uh oh, Thank you, Lord. That's... Somebody say, oh. "Man, come on, <laughs> Jesus!" <laughs> That's so mm. good. Man. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I I wanted to point out that riches are not just limited to spiritual things. Um, When you kind of understand what Paul is referencing, um, it goes a lot deeper than just like feelings or spiritual encounters. There's this whole thing about prosperity in the Bible. Um, I said there's a running picture between both Ephesians and Colossians of God using the church to display his goodness to everyone else. So you think about it, God created us to display his goodness to, and then he puts us in the world and uses us to display that goodness to the people who don't yet know him. It's how he draws them in. And this is actually echoes, it parallels the original call, original mandate on Israel, which says, I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation will reach the ends of the earth. So the entire purpose of Israel was God set aside this nation. Yeah, this whole world and everybody's all like worshiping false gods and idols and everything. And so God says, I'm going to take a people. I want to win these people over. So I'm going to take this group and I'm going to bless them so mightily. I'm going to bless them so richly, so fiercely that everyone in the world looks at them and says, wow, yours is the true God. Um, And it also... It reveals, which is another theme we're going to unpack later, um, the supremacy of Yahweh. Like, whatever else people are experiencing from other false gods, Yahweh wants to make it extremely clear that he's the one true God. He's the only good God. And he wants to make other nations literally jealous at how good Yahweh is so he can welcome them in. So here's an example. Abraham. And I'm taking this from the old, uh, I, I can't remember which translation this is, but I, you know it's one that um, the offs share all the time, but I love this. It says, said the eternal to Abraham, leave your country, leave your kindred, leave your father's house for a land I will show you, and I will make a great nation of you and bless you and make you famous for your bliss. Those who bless you, I will bless, and anyone who curses you, I will curse, until what? until all the nations of the world seek a bliss such as yours." (laughs) So right there you can see not only was Abraham blessed with this friendship with God, But he was absolutely, fantastically, wildly loaded with like physical, natural goods and resources. The Bible even goes out of its way to show how rich Abraham was. It says he was very rich in cattle and silver and gold. And literally, it says that Abraham and his nephew Lot were so rich that the land wasn't big enough for the two of them they had to split ways so they could spread out you know this town is big enough for the two of us like it was just so many so many cattle and bags of gold and just like massive relatives and families so god's literally like i'm going to take this guy who knows nothing about me and i'm going to just absolutely blast him with blessing until the whole world goes oh that's the god i want to follow Check out this. It says in Jeremiah, then this city will bring me joy, glory, and honor before all the nations of the earth. The people of the world will see the good that I do for people, and they will tremble with w- they will tremble with awe at the peace and prosperity I will provide for them. <laughs> like scary blessings. Literally, they're so overwhelmed. By how good God is to His people, that they're afraid somehow. <laughs> I mean, it's it's like you know, Crowder talks about the good kind of fear of the Lord. That's it. Um, ooh, but connected to this idea of wealth and blessing and stuff is also um, Ephesians and Colossians talk a lot about wisdom. Um, so in Colossians it says, "In Him lie all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge." Um, Ephesians, again, in our main text that we looked at, it talks about the manifold wisdom of God. Well, what do we know about wisdom in the Bible? Um, I actually took the time to put out a little list that I wrote down here. This, This isn't a comprehensive list, even. This is just a few of my favorites. But listen to some of these benefits of wisdom. It says a wise person listens to the voice of wisdom and will therefore live in safety and be at ease with no fear of harm. A wise person will have no fear when they lie down to go to sleep. When they wake up, they'll find that their sleep was peaceful, pleasant, and sweet. Um, you know, because of their wisdom, they will be successful and strong. They will live for a long time, and years will be added to their life. A wise person's heart and mind are at peace. Their body will be healthy and strong. Um, they will receive life, prosperity, and honor. It says they'll be friends with those who are influential, even as powerful as a king. And a wise person who trusts in the Lord will be rewarded with blessings, success, prosperity. Like all of the things that everybody's looking for in life. It's just given to you as a gift. Like it's just this massive treasure. Um, even just taking this further, this concept of being a light to others It says of this of King Solomon. So King Solomon surpassed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. And now all of the earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart. Each man brought his present articles of silver, gold, garments, armor, spices, horses, mules. How many of you guys want to be showered in mules? I'm praying. I'm releasing it right now. Just mules for everybody. (laughs) But basically, it's terrifying how wealthy Solomon was. Um, Modern scholars estimate that he was worth about $2 trillion. I I forget how many thousands of years it would take for the average person to make what Jeff Bezos makes, you know, at the current going rate. But even $200 billion he's worth doesn't even hold a candle to what Solomon was worth in his day. And so this is what we're talking about here. Like we we can't get stuck on these small minded like, yeah, God's going to, you know, obviously it's good to be thankful with what you have. Like there's this whole thing of being content in Christ. Come on, But you can't get stuck on it's this or this or I get a little spoonful. It's like it's just this massive avalanche of blessing in every possible way that it means to be blessed. So listen to what Jesus says. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food? Is not the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Are you Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? So check this out. For the Gentiles... Remember, Paul's talking about preaching to the Gentiles. The Gentiles seek after all these things, and yet your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So seek first the kingdom and His righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. So there's something about God preaching a message to your life. It's not that riches and prosperity and peace and and happiness and satisfaction are bad things. It says your father knows that you need them. The issue is he just wants to be your source. And so if you can imagine, everybody is running around in the world, killing each other and, you know, working themselves to the bone for like a glow stick when God wants to give you the entire blazing sun. Like he is the source. He is the fountainhead of everything that everybody is killing themselves to find. And so he's sending. That'll preach. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Amen. But by, by you, by taking you and venting all that stuff on you, he's preaching a message to the world that says, Hey, I'm real and I love you and I'm everything that you need. Whew. So seeking those things isn't bad, but when, Our union with Christ becomes our greatest treasure. It then opens us up to be that vessel of incomprehensible blessing, whether physical or spiritual. And I think it manifests different for everybody. But this is why I want to kind of leave that part with is is this preaching that he's talking about. Preaching to the Gentiles isn't just about words. But it is about essentially allowing your life to be like an empty canvas that God can then paint a self-portrait on and say, this is what I'm like. This is what it looks like to be my child. This is what it looks like. This is what inheritance is. I'm showing the world through you what I look like. And so I said, our lives become filled with evidence that God is real and that he is good. And that's verse eight. (laughs) But this is what I really wanted to get at. That was all just like kind of set up here. What really gets me excited, what like something that I've seen in greater and greater depth that's absolutely altered my life is this next verse, verse 10. It says, so that, so all the stuff we just mentioned is so that the manifold wisdom of God might be now made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Now, I was going to unpack stuff about the rulers and authorities and stuff and what that's all about. You can see that in the notes if you want. Uh, That's a bit too much to try to cram in. But let's talk about the manifold wisdom. (laughs) Just say manifold wisdom. (laughs) So good. Uh, Manifold wisdom. Yeah. It just feels good to say. Manifold. (laughs) It says, okay, so first, this phrase, through the church, is really important. And Paul actually fleshes out with a little more detail later in chapter four. He says, when he is describing ministry, it says, he gave us apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, you know, whatever, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry and for the building up of the body of Christ. So, what's often totally backwards as we look at people who are you know planting mega churches or they're on the stage with their you know fancy cardigans and rolex watches like preaching like oh that's ministry that's what ministry is but actually all of these people with their titles and whatnot literally their only job is to equip and encourage you to do the work of ministry and we'll talk about what that is but again it goes back to Your job is to receive like this preaching thing. It's not this thing that you're like cranking out all this self-effort. It's simply, again, allowing your life to be this canvas that God paints on. But anyway, we'll get to that in a minute. It said I said the saints are the ones doing the ministry. Um, Real ministry is what happens out in the world. So I don't know why we think like the guy who spends like 40 hours a week in his office Uh, so that he can preach to, like, a crowd of 100 people on Sunday. Not that that's not important, but why do we consider that real ministry when somebody who's, like, I don't know, working a job where they're just, like, alongside real people for eight hours a day, five days a week? Like, that's real, man. Like, that's real life where you're just with people. And, like, when you're in that environment, even if you're not preaching – Even if you're not preaching with words, like when you are allowing yourself to just be a conduit of blessing, when you're just full of radical generosity, you leak a fragrance everywhere you go where people say, What is it about you? You know, what is it about you that's just so fresh? Like, why are you so happy? I get it literally all the time. My coworkers say, Why are you the happiest guy at work? Um, and I just get to say, it's not me. You should see me like I'm, I can be kind of a downer in my own, but like, I am just filled with Jesus. You know, I just, I, I am, I've been gifted his very emotions, his very quality of life, you know? So anywho. um, but again, going back to what Colossians says that all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in Christ. Well, that means all of the solutions are in Christ. All of God's boundless creativity is in Christ. Like he knows everything about everything and he lives in you. And it says you have confident access to that. In fact, there's one thing that the Bible says you can ask for in unlimited measure and it's wisdom. Okay. So the manifold part speaks of the multifacetedness. And so I I included a picture in your notes of the Pink Floyd album cover of The Prism, uh, but also a disco ball. Um, I like disco balls it's essentially like God's wisdom is so massive that he needs 7 billion different people to carry it in different ways. The light shines on the disco ball and it gets spread out in a million different directions. And each and every one of you has a unique bent towards something. And all we do in Christendom is try to like stuff down desires and try to like, you know, become the holy man of God. It's like, yeah, but he put a desire in you. Like if you're interested in, I don't know, sand or like model cars. I don't know, like whatever it is, like he put that in you because he's looking for somebody that he can vent all of his wisdom about, you know, model cars into. Like there's a reason why he wants so many different people expressing so many different things. And that's what makes this so fun is your message to the world. Again, it's not just in your words, but it's in your fellowship with him doing whatever it is that you already do. Like, Paul didn't say, lay aside everything that makes you human and become a minister. And we said, wherever you already are, the only difference is now you're filled with the manifold wisdom of God. And you get to just do that. Um, Yeah, so that's basically all that I think I have time to continue to unpack. But um, if we could just take a minute to pray into that for a sec. (laughs) <laughs> yes thank you lord come on, come on. Come um on. i think i'll leave you just with one more fun testimony that i love uh is anybody remember from history class like george washington carver um he asked the lord he was a christian um and he actually had like mystical encounters with god but uh he asked the lord um for like the secrets of the universe and God was like, no way, <laughs> too much. <laughs> and, and so he said, maybe, maybe narrow it down. And George Washington Carver said, okay, how about, what are the secrets of a peanut? And from there, like, he invented 300 different ways to just use a peanut. Like, the guy became, like, the most insane expert of peanuts. Like, what happens when you just take what you already love and you, it's, it's it it just becomes that thing that you bond with God over and you say, God, you know everything that there is to know about dancing. Can you show me the secrets of dancing? Can you and and he loves that. He loves to reveal that stuff. One.